Oh, did you say that you wanted a surprise episode? Well, guess what, family? I have another bonus episode for you this week with one of the most brilliant minds out there. But before I give you his fancy bio, let me tell you how I first heard him. I was speaking at a conference in Indianapolis four years ago. There was a leadership lunch I wanted to attend with a man I've never heard of, but many people said that he was so wise. So in a darkened, wood-paneled Italian restaurant replete with white linens and dimly lit table candles, I listened to this tall Canadian former lawyer-turned-pastor-turned-podcaster keep the room hung on bated breath as he spoke truth to the room. He honestly shared coming out of a hard season and found himself being cynical and frustrated with the call upon his life. His words were like oxygen to my soul. This man carefully and methodically spoke about when life circumstances creep in and steal our hope and our confidence. He's Canadian, so he's naturally nice, eh? But his niceness only softened the painful reality of the cynicism, disconnection, emptiness, and burnout that happens when life's obstacles come our way. Since that day, I've read his books and have become an ardent listener to his podcast. Listen, I'm not one for long form content or podcast because I'm an Enneagram 7. I don't have time for that. I just want to have fun. But let me tell you something. I listen to every last word because his interviews and content are so good, especially when it comes to leading your own life well. In today's interview, we are taking an honest look at the pace we are currently living in in our lives, and we are faced with this hard question. Could we keep this pace forever? Or the better question, do you want to? For most people, the answer is no. I hate to admit it, but so many times I find myself saying, oh, well, yeah, this is just a busy season. But as Carrie points out, if your busy season has no ending, it's not a season. It's your life. So what if you could start living the way today that will help you thrive tomorrow? Whatever your goals and dreams are in life, I believe that Carrie really wants to help people live at their best. Speaking of operating at your best, can I tell you an embarrassing story of the first time I had a chance to professionally talk to Carrie? It was for one of the podcasts he hosted and I was invited to be a guest on the show. I was nervous and a little insecure because the other guests had literally 15 years of age and wisdom and experience on me. We started talking about church and Carrie turns to me and says, so what has it been like leading a fledgling church like yours? Y'all, it took me a second. Fledgling? Did he just call our church fledgling? Listen, friends, you can talk about me. You can talk about me all you want. But the moment that you say something about my beautiful baby that the Lord has entrusted Matt and I with, our church, I'm a comfort you. So I tried being the saved and sanctified saint that I am, and I quickly retorted as kindly as possible without the muzzle that I needed in that moment. Well, I wouldn't say that we're a fledgling body, but what I will say is, and then continue to carry on with the interview. Can I humbly and embarrassingly confess to you that I was offended and bruised by his assessment of our church? Because I was. After the recording, I sat at my desk saying fledgling repeatedly until I paused and I said, wait a minute, I need to Google this word. Here's the definition of fledgling. A person or organization that is young, immature, and underdeveloped. Oh my God, we were fledgling. We were a fledgling church. There's no reason for me to be offended at all. So, dear Carrie, I highly doubt you listened to this interview. I'm sorry for my spirit of offense and ask for forgiveness if my fledgling emotions and vocabulary got the best of me. As we dive into this podcast with podcast host and thought leader Carrie Newhoff, please, please know he understands the challenges of constant pressure. 
After a season of burnout that almost took him out, he discovered how to get time, energy, and priorities working in his favor. This approach freed up more than 1,000 productive hours in a year for him, and he could do the same for us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Carrie, I am so excited that we get to have the privilege and the honor of picking your brilliant brain today. So thank you for being on the show. It's an honor to be with you. We, we don't get to hang out in person right now, but we did a couple of years ago, didn't we? We, we absolutely did. Okay, so I'm going to have a confessional moment right here. I think I might have mentioned this to you in passing, but um, we formally met, I knew of you for years, but we formally met at Global Leadership Summit in 2018 and uh, they had did a signed seating and I was assigned to sit next to you and I squealed internally like a little girl, like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting next to Carrie Newhoff. Like what is, what is life? So um, since that day, and you know what's so great about you, the person that you are online and your podcast and your blogs and your writing is the person that you are in real life. And so I just, Tupac said real eyes, no real lies. And I totally love the real in you. So I'm excited that you're on the show today. Thank you, Bianca. It's a thrill. I'm really excited about what you're doing and uh, really excited about your leadership and getting to know your audience a little bit. Awesome. So here's what I want to do. I am an avid podcast listener and I read almost all of your content. I'm very excited. You just released a new article yesterday and I haven't read, but I'm very excited to read it after this. But for those that kind of don't know just the brilliance that you are coming out with right now, I feel like, and I don't know if you would feel comfortable with this title because it has like spiritual implications, but I believe that you are like a prophet. You are an Oracle. You could look down the horizon and you are telling people, look up, this is coming. So I, I am excited to pick your brain. We are coming out of a crazy season. I know that you're in Canada, you're kind of like California. We've been on lockdown a really long time and we're coming out of post COVID post quarantine culture. There are students and moms and business owners and pastors and leaders that are constant. The constant thing I'm hearing is overworked, stressed out, a thousand things to do on the to-do list. How did we end up here in our culture? Well, gravity would be my answer. It's like, <laughs> you're going to end up there unless you decide you won't. It's so funny. You started with overwhelmed. I mean, the book is about being overwhelmed, overcommitted and overworked, which is just about everybody we know. So you have a mm. lot of young people listening. Research would say pre-pandemic, 70% of 20 and 30 year olds, like 20 to 40, that demographic are on the verge of burnout or experience mm. symptoms of burnout. So it's pretty much an epidemic. It's the epidemic after the epidemic kind of thing. We are yeah. all there. How do we en end up there? I think a couple of things. Um, number one, our relational circle is so much bigger than our grandparents or great grandparents. So you think about, I think about my great grandparents and I mean, they knew people in their village. So I have a Dutch <laughs> background. So they knew people in their village and a village is manageable. There's a British evolutionary psychologist named Robin Dunbar. So here's a question. How many friends do you think a person can have? We'll start there. I feel like I'm cheating because I've actually done research about this for a relationship okay. series that we did at church. But what's awesome. man manageable from the research that I have done is three to five. Am I off? Yes, exactly right. That, that okay. is, there's a name for that. It's called Dunbar's number. Okay, and, that's what it is. Um, so Robin Dunbar is this evolutionary psychologist. Three to five people is a number of true friends that you can yeah. totally 100% track with in real life. They know everything. They know your secrets. They know the real you. Then you can do about another 10 to 15. 
who are friends, like you hang out, you go for dinner, you go for lunch, go for coffee, hang out at their place, maybe take a vacation together once in a while, but they're not, they're that level out. They're not quite as deep as your best friends. And then you've got about another 125 left. So the maximum number of people you can know in real life is about 150. And that's it. And if you look throughout history, that was the size of most medieval villages. It's the size of most churches, which is interesting. Companies until very recently were 150 people or less. Wow. The military is organized around smaller companies and troops, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he even uses, although he's not a person of faith, he uses the uh, 12 apostles. It's like Jesus had three on the inside and 12 on the outside. That was about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And that is how we're relationally wired. Now, what's happened in our lifetime in the last decade and a bit is we ended up with devices that bring the world to our fingertips. And all of a sudden, you don't have 150 friends. You don't have three to five, but you have 50 BFFs who are messaging you on a regular basis. You've got hundreds, if not thousands, or in some cases, hundreds of thousands of followers fans. And like, we're not built for that. We are not built and everybody has level access. See in real life, you live in a house and not everybody knows where you live. Right. And then your friends sometimes just come over and drop by That's sort of a bygone thing, but your grandparents never had to deal with any of that. They had yeah. the people they worked with, the people, maybe they went to church with their friends, their family. That was it. It was manageable. We get deluged. And these relationships, the hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands follow us in our pocket, in our purse, on all of our devices, buzzing, chirping, ringing, dinging. Yeah. And to make that worse, you used to go to the office. Now the office goes to you. So most mm -hmm. of us take our home, our, our work home with us every night. So you're doing Netflix or you're watching something and maybe you're trying to hang out with a friend, maybe somebody you're dating, maybe if you're a parent with your child and you've got work texting you, you got friends messaging you, you got people inboxing you and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. And most of us love to say yes. So it's like, yeah, I'll be there Friday night. Oh, no, I have five things on Friday night. So I'll do you Saturday morning. Okay, no, no, again, now I'm busy Saturday morning too. So how about we do Sunday? And that is the deluge. So the crazy thing is that this device that's in our pocket morning, noon, and night is absorbing so much of our time, so much of our energy, and then we just feel so depleted. And yet we're encouraging people, hey, get, get a community, get involved, make friends. And so how would you... How would you delineate and how would you set boundaries for like, if there's way too many people that have way too much access, where do we go to kind of whittle that down? And how do we pick and choose where we're investing our time and how we're investing our time? So the internet is flat and that's the problem. Digital communication has no manners. I can text you <laughs> or I can message you, uh, you know, you're Pacific, I'm Eastern time, I'm New York time. So I can message you at, uh, you know, uh, 7 a.m. New York time, that's like 4 a.m. LA yes. time. That's not fair. So if you're sleeping with your phone or you forgot to silence it that night, I'm interrupting you. What's worse is I'm at the same level as 50 other messages that came in overnight. Mm -hmm. So now how do you respond? You're already overwhelmed. It's like, well, it's Carrie and I don't hear from him that often. Now what do we do? But also my husband texted me and also mm -hmm. uh, my best friend texted me and also my mom texted me and also my little, little you know, now what do I do? Right. So what you have to do is you have to prioritize the same way you would in real life. And um, the way I think about it is the people closest to you should have the deepest access. Those are the people, the depth of the relationship should determine the depth and the speed of the response. 
So we have this beautiful thing on our iPhone. I don't know whether you have iPhones, but it's called favorites. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I have a few favorites, not a lot. Those people can reach me anytime. They will get through the wall. I put my devices on do not disturb. So if you call me, it will go directly to voicemail. If you message me, I will not know about it. I'll find out because I'll get bored in an hour and I'll look to see who called. I'll look to see who texted. I'll look to see who messaged. I'll do all of that. What it means is the people closest to me have the most direct access to me. And the people who aren't as close to me, they might get a response back the same day. The rest of the world, you have to then figure out, okay, how do I learn to say no? How do I like start prioritizing in a hierarchy who I get back to? Like if your boss is messaging you, you probably should get back to your boss if you want to remain employed. (laughs) It's a good rule, right? And on the other hand, if it's that person you knew in high school, that girlfriend from high school that you didn't even really like much and she's messaging you, it's like, do you really need to get back to her? Maybe you don't, or maybe you can do it next week or when it's convenient. And don't promise at the same level. I like you, you probably get a lot of requests on your time. It's like, can you, can you, can you? You got to figure out how to say no. And that is excruciatingly difficult. Okay. So you, um, you have a green, yellow, and red zones that you Mm. are unpacking in such a beautiful way. So how do you manage your energy and what do you categorize as yellow, green, and red? Yeah. So a lot of the book is about um, time, energy, and priority management. A lot of people have have studied time management. So there are some strategies in there, but the, the real, the thing that turned the corner for me was when I started to take energy management seriously. So we'll, we'll do, I'll do some free consulting. Yep. For that. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love therapy and I love free therapy. Um, You call it consulting. I call it therapy. Let's go. I'm ready. Therapy is exaggerating, but uh, let's, let's just do this. And, and everybody who's listening, you play along. Okay. Are you a morning person, night owl or midday? Morning, 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 hands down. When typically do you wake up? Naturally my body wakes up at five o'clock. Okay. So you are like super early morning person. When are you kind of rolling? Like the creative juices are creative flowing. Creative juices are from 8.30 to 11. Beautiful. That's great. Do you have a time in the day when you start to drag your knuckles? When you're like, I need some two, more caffeine. Two to four. Two to four. Very, very typical. So after lunch, you're kind of settled back at your desk or wherever you happen to be at the coffee shop where you're working. And you're like, I can't think. What are the differences between you in the morning at say 8.30 a.m.? and you at 3 p.m. cognitively, what are you noticing? So I work out in the morning, I finish my workout. So I have lots of endorphins, I have lots of energy. I sit down and it's like I, my, my, my brain just opens. I see colors, I see letters, I see images, I can write, I can process, I can synthesize. And then come to, it's like, this is the moment where I have to record podcasts. This is where I reply to emails because that's, it's like mindless to me. It's fun for Mm. me. That's that stuff doesn't drain me, but if I have to, I cannot work out past 11. I just don't have the energy for it. Like I'm best Mm. in the morning. And then as far as like creativity goes, unless it's like fun creativity, like I'm doing TikTok videos or thinking of Instagram stories, like other than that, that's probably the only thing that you're going to get from me. Your creative uh, brain goes to bed early in the afternoon. And I go to bed early. I'm like a grandma, like 1030 (laughs) lights out. Like I'm going to bed. 
Oh, if I wasn't married, I'd be in bed at nine every night, but <laughs> I go to bed at 10 now. And Tony, my wife will try to stretch it to 10, 15 or 10, 30. <laughs> so I get it. I, I am, I'm your great grandfather. That's basically <laughs> me, uh, but I enjoy it. So, okay. We are like most people. I have a very similar rhythm to you. For me, the, the drop in energy happens between four and 6 PM. So we've already described green, yellow, red. So green zone is when you're at your best and research shows what you just described. Most people have three to five highly productive hours in a day. That's it. We've been trained by culture and management theory to believe that we have 24 productive hours in a day and we're essentially robots. We're machines and you just plug us in and we will run until we don't run anymore. We can just run 24 hours a day. Machines run that way. Humans do not. And you have energy that waxes and wanes over the course of the day. So I happen to be a morning person. I think morning people have an advantage, but for those who are night owls listening, what are your peak hours? A lot of people are actually midday people like mid morning or mid afternoon. They get their energy, figure out when that is green zone is your high energy window, which is on average, never more than three to five hours in a day. Mine's five max on a good day. Red zone's about an hour or two where it's, you need hypercaffeination or some form of cattle prodding to keep you awake, right? And to, to get you back in the flow. And then your yellow zone is everything in between. So you're not at your best. You're not at your worst. I have a question. What, yeah. Is the red zone my two to four or is my red zone eight to 10? It could be. Let's you probably have two because I'm very similar. Like okay. after nine o'clock at night, if we're watching something, I will often fall asleep. Like so we are either the dorkiest people or the coolest people. I'm opting for the coolest people. <laughs> I like cool. I'll go with cool. That's great. Uh, yeah, I think you most of us have two red zones. So okay. mine, I'm, if you think of a work day, which often operates between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., particularly for knowledge workers, like if you're doing a a shift at a coffee shop, you're working at a factory. Yeah, you have defined hours. But for those of us who have a bit of freedom in our work, you know, think about the freelancers, the web designers, um, you know, people who, who just do social media for a living, you can do that kind of whenever you want. And so think about 6am to 6pm, there's probably one red zone in there, a lot of yellow, and then some green windows that will tally at the most three to five hours. By the way, this is also science. Cal Newport, who's done a lot of research into this, says your ability to do deep work is about four hours a day. So if you're writing a book, if you're writing a message, that's about all you got. And if you're under deadline, like if the publisher is like, where's that chapter? (laughs) Okay, you can push through for 12 hours, but is it going to be your best work? So divide your day into green, yellow, and red, and all of a sudden you got your zones. And the secret to leveraging your energy is now you know when you're at your best, Now you got to figure out what are you best at? So the free consulting therapy continues. When you you are at your best, when the church that you lead is growing like crazy, when your social media platform, podcasting, speaking, all of that is really surging, what are you doing with your time? Like what is the best investment of your time so that all those needles move in the right direction for you, Bianca? I hate to say this, but I, in this season, I say no to everything. Mm, that's I literally smart. don't apologize, I just, but I feel, I think because, um, I'm not, I, I'm an extrovert. If I have energy, I'm an omnivert. Mm. I'm definitely an omnivert, but so I, I feel really bad having to say no. And I think it might feel weird when you were talking about the 
we have capacity for three to five people. That's the truth. And, you mm -hmm. know, I live with three people in my house and I have, I'm, from, I'm a Latina. We have like 85,000 people in our family, you know? So just with, <laughs> just with internal family, external family, that's my circle. And so yeah. I just, when it's speaking events or anything else in this season, it's just a big fat no for me. How do you typically spend your day? I'm pretty on a good day. Oh my gosh. Um, what, like a dream day or a work day? Uh, let's talk about work day. Okay. Work day. And then we can do dream day. But let's start with work day. Okay. And I won't, how get should you, if you could, if you could design it from scratch. Oh, this is so fun. Okay. So I wake up at five o'clock, but I, I feel rested. So I sleep about six hours a night. So um, mm. I wake up feeling rested. I immediately wake up, brush my teeth and then text my husband. We usually have like 15 minutes where we just like pray. And this is embarrassing, but whatever we cuddle for 15 minutes and we just pray and get the days that started. It's, it's, that's th awesome. It's, it's literally the best thing in the, of my, my day, best part of my day. It's the only time that my husband lets the dog come into the bed. So I'm sandwiched between my dog and my husband. And I have 15 glorious minutes that just feel divine. And we pray, come downstairs, grab a cup of coffee. And I just have my meditate, pray, journal, read my Bible. Immediately hop um, in the garage. We, during COVID, we ended up building a, a workout facility. So I hop on Peloton or I do weights or whatever I do come back inside and my day starts probably around 745 745 i'm going mm. through email i'm looking at my calendar i love google calendar and you know what i'm listening to you and now i'm going to color code my calendar to green yeah, yellow green, and red, yellow, red. i love this i mean this is great you got then, it so then i have like my work window then i take a slight break to make a like a smoothie something easy mm. but that's like nourishing go back to my desk and I'm usually sermon writing and then come two o'clock I'm writing intros or outros or podcasts, or I'm doing interviews for podcasts. I work until about four, take a small break, have a snack. And then I work at my desk until six and I make dinner for the family. Every time I am home, I make dinner for the family. It's just like my love language. And then I usually shut down at eight and eight is usually um, reading a book, going on a walk, hanging out with friends, catching up on social media. And then big thing that came out of quarantine is that I only allow myself to go onto social media twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. Because oh, without wow. even realizing it, you know, it just soaks so much time out of uh, maybe not for everyone. But for me, it was like, because I don't have a whole lot of time to hang out with my friends, I love being involved with their lives. And social media mm -hmm. gave me a false sense of closeness to some of my closest and best friends, whether that's staff members or friends from high school or friends from college. And so it was a false sense of closeness. And then I just had to realize I want to be more intentional. And so whether it's setting up a Zoom call with all my long distance friends or meeting up with someone from church or someone from staff or my family to hang out. And that's usually in the evening. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. So you've got a lot of excellent practices. This is good news. You know, when you go to your doctor and your doctor says, <laughs> oh, you're doing really well. You're like, yes, thank you. No new prescription. Oh my gosh. Dr. Carey, you gave me bit. an A plus. Oh, oh, wait, wait. You said tweak it. Okay. Okay. Oh, we she might tweak straight. it. I'm going to okay. give you an A. I'm going to give you an A. All right. That's really good. But that's it's not an A plus. I want, I want Dr. Carey to get an A plus. Okay. Here's how. Okay. <laughs> All right. Think about what makes you a great communicator because you and I have similar lives, right? We're podcasters. We, we speak, we preach, we do all of that. I learned over a couple of decades of leading a local church that I could do a million different things, but if I did just a handful of things well, everything went better. So for me, crystal clear vision, excellent messages, an aligned team, because if your team starts to go off, you know, yeah. if you've got division at the top, you're going to have division at the bottom an aligned team, and then the resources we need 
to accomplish our mission. Mm -hmm. So money in the bank. In other words, if I took my eye off of those four things, things started to go sideways really, really quickly. Now in my company, what do I need to do? I need to prep for podcasts. I'm interviewing some of the best leaders in the world. And like, if you're interviewing Seth Godin or Simon Sinek or Amy Edmondson, or like, it's like, wow, you better prep, right? You better Absolutely. prep. Absolutely. Those are homework. dream like, interviews. So what's your name and what do you do for a living? Like, that's not going to last very long. <laughs> so you got to do your prep. So I do that prep. And then I'm like, you say, you said at the beginning, I'm writing articles, I'm, I'm preparing talks to speak around the world, et cetera. So I'm doing that. And what happens is everything else competes in my day with that. I got five texts in the morning and this guy wants that. And this person yeah. wants that. And somebody I haven't talked to in five years says, Hey, can we have a discussion about church growth? I'm like, yes, but not right now. Okay. So, and then, you know, I have a team, I have a staff of eight and they have needs. And so they're slacking me and everything. So what I do to use my green zone optimally is I shut off all those distractions in the morning. There's a handful of people who can break through. And they know when to, and they know when not to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know if they text or call, it's an emergency. So I'll look. Other than that, I just leave it alone. And then I go and do my deep work. Then I time block so that I can really focus on writing a great piece or delivering an excellent talk or thinking through a problem or what is our vision or mission. So I had one of those deep work sessions in the morning recently, and I was trying to figure out why do I interview you know, John Mark Comer, why will I have a conversation with theologians? And then the next time I want to interview this top business executive, couldn't figure that out. It's been a problem in our company for years, or at least a quirk. And then I figured it out. It just hit me one day. It's like, oh, I'm trying to bring the best of the business world to the church and the best of the church to the business world. Uh, yeah. And I ran that by my team and they're like, that's exactly it. That's what we do. Then we ran it by a branding expert. He goes, yes, that's exactly what you do. And so I was very fascinated by that. Now that wouldn't have come to me if I was in a frenzy because mm -hmm. your clearest thoughts, your deepest work happen often when you're focused on a task, you haven't got interruptions. And so the best use of migraines, and I want to suggest this to you, see what you can disagree. It's your show. You get to do what you want, okay? <laughs> so you can disagree. What if that was undistracted time? What if you left the email, briefly check in very, for a few minutes, you just leave that email till later in the day. Yeah. What if from 7.45 until 11 and you take a little snack, you know, you go get a snack somewhere in between, but you just work on that message. You work on that sermon. But then because you want to become, you've spoken on some massive stages to like huge numbers of people, but you want to develop your communication gift. Mm -hmm. And the problem with a gifted communicator, and this is true for anybody with a gifting, if you're in accounting, you can do a pivot table like nobody else in your department. Okay, so you get that. You understand Excel backwards and forwards, but to do your best work, you're learning how to be a better communicator. Mm -hmm. So you're listening to people you really admire. You're reading a book on how to become a better communicator. Then, so you've spent an hour doing that. You're doing an hour every day of leadership development for yourself in your mm -hmm. green zone. Then you're working on the sermon series and you're like, it's close, but you, you ever have a talk where you're like, I don't know how to get it there. I just yes. don't know how to get it. So yes. this is what you do. Then you go for a walk and you go for a walk during your green zone and you just let it digest. Maybe you listen to music. Maybe you listen to another podcast. I promise you, if you make that a habit, time and time again, the penny will drop and you'll go, oh, 
That's what it is. There's brain research on that to show that you actually have your best ideas when you're not trying to think of your best ideas. Where do all my ideas come from? I have a really good capture system. When I'm out for a bike ride, or like I had to interview a world leader that is voted one of the top 100 brightest people on the planet. That's intimidating. That's intimidating. She's sharp. <laughs> so I'm listening to an interview that she did with Tim Ferriss. I'm listening to an interview she did with Chris Anderson from TED Talks. And then by the time I got home, I like just sat down. I said to my wife, Tony, just leave me alone for five minutes. I had a stream of consciousness. Can ask her this, can ask her that, can ask her this. Then I went back the next day and I put together, I think, a really good question set for that interview in addition to some other research I did. And then you go back and you finish that talk. And then you repeat on Tuesday and repeat on Wednesday and repeat on Thursday. And if you do that development and a little bit of time to breathe, I think you'll be shocked at how much better you get, not in a week, mm. not in a month, but in a year, and then give it a decade. Oh my goodness. You're just going to be fired. So I don't know. Does that, maybe that's oh, wait, what you do no, in your green zone. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's not actually. So this is like, I honestly am like taking notes and then I'm like, wait a minute, I need to be paying attention because I'm running an interview. But this is the fascinating thing is I, I, I work well in chaos and in stress. And so in my mind, mm. it's like, I'm going to produce the most amount of work when I'm operating on full cylinders. Now I love what you discuss about stress cycles. Mm. In your book, um, I'm not done reading it, but it's, first of all, I'm just going to say, and I know I mentioned this before we started recording, no one could see this, but I'm holding up the book, didn't see it coming because in 2018, you spoke at a conference that I was at. Now, we had never met at this point, but I was really fascinated. Who is this Canadian guy? And I sat in and it was during a hosted lunch for leaders and you rocked my mind. And then I got this book and I read this book and I made some huge changes after this book. And so when I talk about the weight of your work and what this means, I, I literally cannot wait. So almost every episode, I love buying books on Amazon and shipping them to people for the listeners, just as like thank you gifts. And so, and then it also incentivizes people to get your book on your own, but not only will five lucky winners get a copy of Didn't See It Coming, your old book, but they're also gonna get your new book at your best. And that already came out September 14th, but I want yeah, to get did, both of did these. just come out, just released. And so I want to get both of these resources into the hands of podcasts, my podcast friends, because your book changed my life and your current book at your best is currently changing my life. So in the stress spiral, um, what does this do to us? And for me, that was kind of, that's what really like pivoted my thinking. Cause I think, oh, I produce great stuff when I'm stressed. And mm. I don't, after reading this and listening to this conversation, I'm like, I actually don't think I do. No. Well, you actually probably do. I mean, you're very, very good at what you do, Bianca. So don't sell yourself short, but you're probably not producing at your capacity. So mm. you're right. The stress spiral is the condition of living overwhelmed, overworked, and overcommitted, which is how 90% of the planet lives. Cause that's our world, which we've already talked about. And that happens when you don't focus your time when you never leverage your energy and when you allow other people to hijack your priorities. Hijack priorities happen when you're in your green zone and you start responding to all those texts, all those emails, all That's those me. knocks on the door. Yep. Yep. And then you're distracted. So here's, here's a trivia question. Uh, I've done some research on this. When you get interrupted, so you're working on a message, you're in the flow, you are doing a good, this is going to be the best message ever, ever given, okay? In the history of all messages. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, I said you in were a prophet. That's what I'm saying, brother. <laughs> Someone knocks on the door. Bianca, do you want a coffee? Okay. 
How long does it take your brain to refocus on that message from a single interruption? Okay, so I think I'm slow. I honestly, because that stuff drives me batty. Like I don't have a mm -hmm. door on my office. And so I just hear everything in my house and people are, Matt will be like, Hey, what do you need from the market? Or my son Parker's like, I go to school. And it literally takes me 20 minutes to get like a back in the, the groove. Okay. You're fast. Is that good news? <gasps> oh my gosh. Did I get another A from Dr. Carey? You got another A plus <laughs> on that one. The average really? human is 25 minutes. 25 minutes. Oh, and okay. you know this as well as I do. You're in the flow. You're working on that great idea. You've just about got it together. You're finally refocused and you're like, now where was I? And you don't remember. Or what oh, was that brilliant idea just when the knock happened? Sometimes they don't come back. Mm. You missed it. Like that's the power. So I would suggest you put a door on that office. And if you can't, here's for everybody who works like in a cubicle environment, get some noise canceling headphones, yes. whether that's AirPod Pros or a set of Beats or Bose okay. or whatever you want. I call them people canceling headphones <laughs> because what they do is they give it, first of all, you're harder to reach because people have to speak up. Secondly, it looks like you're busy. Even if you're listening yeah. to nothing, it looks mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want to break her flow. I don't want to break her thought. So you can try that. But here's, here's uh, with the stress spiral, even, and this will be really hard for people, particularly the younger you are, the harder this will be because you've spent your whole life addicted to stimulants, the dopamine hits yeah. from how many likes did I get? You, your brain is addicted. If you've ever done a sugar fast, that is painful. I went on a pretty radical post-COVID diet in April. And so all I did for a month, this is a whole other podcast I'm not recommending, was eat <laughs> eggs, meat, and cheese for a month. That was my whole diet. You did keto. Yeah. It's basically keto. It's oh, modified goodness. keto. Okay. So you know what the hardest thing to give up was? Shocked. Chewing gum. I was so <gasps> addicted to chewing gum. Oh, wow. I was a gumaholic. Anyway, now I don't eat it as much. I, I quit it for three months or whatever. And now it doesn't owe me anymore. <laughs> when you get into the quiet of that three to five hours in a green zone, it's going to feel like torture mm -hmm. and you are going to distract yourself because you're so addicted to chaos. You will make chaos if nobody makes it for you. Why are you reading my mail right now? Like, I, why are you <laughs> I reading your my mail? Whoa. <gasps> You're addicted oh to gosh, chaos. I am. And so you will interrupt yourself and you will start looking on Instagram. You will check out TikTok. You will, if it goes on long enough, you'll go bother your husband. Hey, can I get you anything? You'll start oh chopping on Oh my gosh, are you in my home? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I've been yes. spying. No, no, this is human nature. This is us. This is okay. me. This is okay. me. So- what you have to do is train yourself to really do deep work. Cal Newport has done a lot of work in this area. You got to train yourself and you will become so unsettled. The other problem, Blaise Pascal said centuries ago, that man or humanity's greatest problem is our inability to sit quietly alone in our room. Ain't that and he's the right. Truth. That is the truth. Because when you sit still, guess what? All the garbage starts to come mm. up. And the Holy Spirit is like, you got to start paying attention to this. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get busy. And, and what will happen over time? And this is like, you know, when you're 19 years old, everyone knows this financial advice. What do we say? Put $50 a week into the bank. And when you're 50, you'll have a lot of money. And at, when you're 19, you're like, well, $50 is a lot of money. And it doesn't really add up. And it doesn't. In the first year, what have you got? 2,500 in the bank? It's nice. 
but you could spend that in a weekend if you tried. You don't even have to try that hard to spend <laughs> that in a weekend, right? You have a really fun weekend, it's all gone. Um, but what happens if you do that year after year, week after week, decade after decade, you end up with more money than you could have imagined. And if you start depositing your green zone, treat it like an investment, you're going to invest in you. So you're not going to do one draft of your message. You're going to do two or three because it was done in draft one on Monday afternoon, or it was done Tuesday. Now you can look at it again on Wednesday and you can make it better. You could even take it to a team and say, what am I missing here? And they can tell you because you're not just using your gift. See, here's what I'm concerned about. Now I'm a Christian, you're a Christian. We talk about gifting a lot. Most leaders, most people use their gift, but they never develop it. And I call that cheating your gift. Because you know, if I said, Bianca, I need you to give a keynote talk. I'm having a Zoom call. There's going to be a thousand people there. I need you to be on in two hours. Can you give me something? You could give me something and you'd be good. You'd be good. And too often we cheat because the week got away on us and the sermon isn't done. And now it's Thursday and the creative team needs you to deliver the sermon. And now you're working at nine o'clock at night or the boss needs you to deliver a report or you need to get this done or that done. And so you need to deliver a report and it's Thursday night. You're not finished yet. You're not focused at home. You're not with your family because that's on your mind and you maybe stay up till midnight to get it done. And wouldn't it be better if you just use your green zone to do all of that? Yeah. And then you're already reading a half hour, an hour, or listening to podcasts and becoming a better communicator. And over time, oh my goodness. So your, traje your trajectory in the current, for those of you who are watching rather than listening, is kind of here. It's like, yeah, you're really good. You are actually world-class at what you do, which is awesome. But when you start investing in your green zone, all of a sudden it goes like this. Wow. And over time, it's like compound interest. It just pays off over and over and over again. And people like Nir Al, who wrote the book Hooked and Indistractable, Cal Newport, they argue that focus is a superpower because it's increasingly rare and increasingly difficult. It's difficult because of all the reasons we talked about. It's rare because almost no one has the self-discipline to do it anymore. I just, listen, there's so much more I want to unpack. I, I literally have 14 questions and we only got to three. Um, <laughs> I think that there's so much in this book that is going to help so many people. And I think the misnomer is that this book is for business owners and it's not. It's a it's misnomer is that it's for leaders. It's not, it is for everyone who literally wants to optimize their time and their energy and their efforts. Now, really quick, you just came out with an article yesterday. When, by the time we were recording this, you came out with this article yesterday. I haven't got a chance to read it, but you hooked me before we started recording. And um, one of the things that you mentioned is you don't think that vacations and sabbaticals are enough for us uh, to rest. But then yesterday's article, based on what you told me, you're encouraging people to take a month off. Like what, what are we French? Like, how do we pull this off? So as, <laughs> as we wrap up this last question, um, I, I want to give an amuse bouche. We can't unpack the whole thing, but this is what I will do in the show notes. I'm going to link to that article. And then I'm also going to link to this book where people can get it. And then also five lucky winners will get both of these books because they're changing my life and I can't wait to change the lives of the, those sweet. who read it as well. But it, can you give us an amuse bouche as to why vacations or sabbaticals aren't enough for us and why you're advocating for more? Yeah, too many people are living for the weekend. You're living for your next massage, the next day at the beach, the next, you know, can we go to the mountains, right? Like, I just got to get to Friday. I just got to get to Thursday night. I got to get to wine Wednesday. I got to get to wherever you happen to be, to the spa, right? That's where people live or to the vacation. 
The problem with that is your vacations are great. They're awesome. You know how to do a vacation well, but time off won't heal you because the problem is how you spend your time on. The problem isn't how you spent those two weeks away. The problem is you got back on Monday and by 11 a.m. you got punched in the head. And now you're right back in the stress spiral and you're like, when's my next time off? Oh, you just got back. I can't do that again. When can we go to the spa? I don't know. When can we go shopping? I don't know. Like what's, what's your stress reliever? And so, yeah, I did actually just take a month off. So I am a slow learner. I'm a little bit older than you are. <laughs> uh, my kids are grown the age of most of your listeners, but I finally took a month off with no cheating. So I'm entrepreneurial. I love what I do. I've always had the privilege when I was in law, when I was full-time in ministry, or now that I'm an author, speaker, podcaster kind of thing. I love what I do. I always love my work. I love being a lawyer. I love doing that. So it's easy to keep working when you're off, but I took a full month off. So let me give you the cheater guide. Okay. There's three levels of leadership. So if you are in a company and this, this book, by the way, you're right. We wrote it with anyone who's remotely self-motivated in mind. So if you're like, I'm not a CEO, I'm, I'm, I'm not even on the org chart. That's how low I am. <laughs> if you care about conversations like this, this is designed to help you get control of your life and get your life back to be at your best. But um, there's level one organizations, and you may be in that right now in your church because it's a church plant, right? So yes. level one is nothing runs without you. You can barely take a day off because you know where all the secrets are. You know, oh, it's on Bianca's computer. We have to go find her, right? And so <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, yeah, she's, she's got that. She forgot to upload it before she left. I can't find it on Dropbox. We have to call her. Or, or like, you know how to align the chairs perfectly for the service, right? So <laughs> it's all those things. Nothing runs without you. So many businesses, mom and pop shops, that's it. Whether you run a nail salon, whether you cut hair for a living, uh, you're a mechanic. It's like nothing runs without you. A lot of lawyers operate that way. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of pastors operate that way. But then there's level two, things run without you. And we got our church to level two. We just got our company to level two, where I could take a whole month off. And basically everyone was equipped and it wasn't onerous. And it got to run mm -hmm. without me. Level three is so rare, Bianca. Level three is things grow without you. Can you remove yourself from your church and have it grow without you? So we got that at Connexus, our church that I founded about six years ago, where I knew things could grow without me, or I believe they could, and they have. So I stepped back as lead pastor. I'm founding pastor. I'm even off the teaching team now. Things are growing without me. So that's wow. great. But that's very rare. So then the question becomes my company, which is what I'm running now, can it grow without me? And I think we're halfway between level two and level three. A couple of things that'll help. Number one, um, decide you're actually going to take time off. That's hard for me. It's easy for others, but it's hard for me. So I have to be committed to this. Number two, delete a lot of temptation apps from your phone. Mm. I had to take Gmail right off my phone, just gone. So I wasn't on email for the month. Uh, craft a killer autoresponder. So if you use email, a lot of your listeners will. My email read something like this on summer break. Thanks so much for reaching out to me. I'm on vacation till August 3rd. Uh, I'm on my summer break. I want to come in rested to launch my new book at your best, trying to practice what I preach. Ha ha. If there's anything urgent, my assistant will look at it. And if not, please email me again in August. I love that. We deleted everything that came in in July. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yep. Because otherwise you get back, you got 1500 emails exactly. to go through. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
another trivia question. Guess how many people re-emailed me in August? Uh, I'm going to give a percentage. I'm going to say 40%. One person. <gasps> one person re-emailed me. Are you All that serious? stuff that you think is so important isn't that important, you know? On your last vacation, did the world continue without you, Bianca? I'm just curious. Or did we all have to slow down until you got back? Uh, I'm in level, I hate to admit this, I'm in level one. You're level one. But so, I mean, the world world oh, kept oh, rolling without oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the world, the world is going to get along fine without me. Yes. Yes. And eventually, and we can, we can talk offline about getting a level two, because that's fun. I've got a whole training on it and all that stuff. But I'm here for uh, it. Yes. Level two leadership is a lot of fun. But you know what I discovered? I'm not as important as I think I am. Yeah. My team, my team was just fine without me. They're smart. They're leaders. They did a great job. The world continued without me. It didn't mm -hmm. seem to miss me very much. All these people who needed my time and attention. Interestingly enough, I, I, I can't wait for the next iteration of software. You can do that with text messages too, because you're at the beach, you're lying in the sun, you look at your phone because you're trying to pick a dinner spot. You got seven texts. It's like, ah, and half the people you don't want to talk to, not on your vacation. So you can program it. There's a hack. You know that, have you ever seen the do not disturb while driving thing? Brother, I sorry, use I'm it. Driving? I used it. Yes, I love it. Awesome. Well, now you can program it. You can change the message. So it's like, hey, I'm on vacation. But yes. the hack is you can't, you then have to have your phone in do not disturb. I'm driving mode all the time. So you can't use it to find oh. the place for dinner or for Google Maps. So Somebody, if anyone from Apple is listening, please fix this problem. Please fix okay? this problem. Please yes. fix this problem. So we can just do autoresponders on our messages. But you can set that up too. And the world will revolve without you. Then you have to be content to sit in the quiet. Yeah. You have to be content not to check in on your team and go, hey, how's everything going? You need me for anything? Nope, we're good. I feel kind of useless, right? <laughs> the, the experts call it productivity shame. When you really rest, you start to feel ashamed because you're not producing anything. So mm -hmm. you have to get through that. But if you really want a break, you can do it. I loved it. I'm probably taking six weeks off next year. Wow. Wow. Carrie, I am so grateful for your time. I, your wisdom has, when I say it's changed my life, it really has. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited that we get to share your voice on the podcast. And I can't wait to get this book into the hands of, of our podcast listeners. So thank you for your time. I can't wait to see how the book does. It's been such a joy. And what you shared is so humbling. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Bianca. Thank you for all you're doing for so many people. Well, fam, who wants to live at your best? You know, I don't push books or resources that I haven't read or loved. So I cannot help but share this book with you. You can get this book and resources on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere fine books are sold. Do me a favor, though. If you are applying a principle or you learn something powerful from Carrie, will you tag him on social media to let him know? His Instagram handle and Twitter handle is Carrie Newhoff. Let me spell that for you. C-A-R-E-Y-N-I-E-U. W-H-O-F. Y'all, I'm not even making that up. That's literally his last name. You can also check out the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast on any platform where you listen to your podcast. As an author and podcaster, when you tag someone you love, it just lets them know that, hey, I'm walking away better because of the time you invested in me. So go ahead and show him some love. I can't wait for more in season four. Yes, it rhymes because I'm a rapper, okay? So subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and you won't miss a thing. Love you, friends. Can't wait to connect.